Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and I would say as always, but that would just be a lie. I am joined by Will Murden. How is it going tonight, Will? Congratulations on your big win over the weekend. How's the body holding up? How's the head and how are the limbs? Thanks, buddy. Uh, not well, like um, to all of the above. So really happy, but body's not holding up well. Mentally, I'm um, shot to pieces. Limbs are struggling to get me around the place, but ha- happy, happy days. So have you hung up the boots yet? Is this it? Can um, Mrs. Murden finally celebrate knowing that next winter you are going to be home with the kids on a Saturday? Not a chance. Although I did say when I got home this evening and I noticed that we had the washing on the bed that was last week's training gear, you're not going to have to wash that for another few months. So she should be thrilled with that. Well, by the way, your body's going. You're not going to make it through a whole season anyway. So, you know, not so much of an issue. It's a strong All right. We are at week four and it is preview time. So we welcome the SEC back to college football action. We've got some news to get to. We've got previews. We've got championship draft. We've got bowl predictions and we're heading on the punt as well. Uh, We also have got a new segment that Will has aptly named Fair Dinkum in really cheesy manner for Australians. Uh, But we'll have a bit of a chat about certain teams and certain things that we think are either fair dinkum or not in the current state of college football. Lastly, I do want to, again, thank you to Drew Aiken, who was with us last episode. He was fantastic. My audio mixing wasn't so good. I think I knocked you off your seat a couple of times as you had to listen to it, Will. Um, But yeah, we'll try and manage those levels a little bit better this time around. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with some of your mixing. It's been elite so far this year, and there are a couple of times where I was a little bit let down with that. And also some of the the shots that were just fired over my bow while I wasn't around the place, like towards Oklahoma State, the Big 12 in general, me as a human, a lot of that sort of <laughs> shit happening. Not super thrilled about it, but can probably understand it. I mean, I thought it was pretty fair. Uh, to be honest, I, I thought there was more shots at the Asterix National Championship of UCF that was uh, so eloquently put multiple times by Drew. So um, a big thank you to him. We'll get him back on the episode, uh, up on the show again in the future because uh, he brings a lot of good value. But let's not hang around too long because we've got a lot of previews to get to. Uh, we need to hit some news. Okay, first things, QB confirmations in the SEC as we welcome them back for week four football. Miles Brennan is at LSU. Mac Jones appears to be the starter at Alabama over Bryce Young, although possibly on a short leash. Ole Miss is yet to name their starting quarterback. Matt Crowder or John Reese Plumley, the incumbent from last year, appear to be locked neck and neck in that starting role. Jarrett Guarantano is the man at Tennessee. Uh, and... In the Big 12, Matt Downing has supplanted Max Duggan at TCU. Any hot takes on the quarterbacks, William? I don't think there's much that we're not surprised about there. I think if John Reese Plumley doesn't get up in that one, that certainly would be a bit of a shocker, but uh, I still think that he's going to be the man to get the job done there. 
The other one that I will mention is the Georgia quarterback battle, but I'm going to get to that one a little bit later. Bit of a spicy take in the world of Georgia Bulldogs football. Baylor, TCU, Virginia Tech, and Virginia will all try and get their seasons going this year with uh, their first battles. Notre Dame and Wake Forest, on the other hand, has been postponed. The Big 10 is back, William. I haven't had a chance to have a chat to you about this just yet, but the Big 10 back. The Pac-12 is not. I'm going to state the elephant in the room here. Is college football going to gain anything by having the big the Pac-12 back in it at all this year? The Pac-12? Whether, the Pac-12. They, come, whether they come back or not? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, let's face it. The four big conferences are in. The Pac-12 are fifth of five. What are they going to offer? They really are kind of backing themselves into that hole if they weren't already in it. So they, they have been struggling over the last few years to try and run pace with the other conferences. They've been consistently getting left out of the playoff race. This is probably only going to strengthen that divide between these conferences and themselves. It's really unfortunate because there is some great football played out that way. Oregon, very good football team returning this year. We're expecting to do big things. USC are hoping to turn it around, although that's been happening for quite some time. There there is some very, very good football being played out there. I, I just can't see how they could do anything now to become relevant for this season. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of saying that a little bit tongue in cheek because without USC, without Washington, without Oregon, college football suffers. Uh, the West Coast suffers, and they all deserve to be a part of this big picture. But um, certainly, something kind of worth considering because of Pac-12, the Pac-12's inability to be able to compete on the national level on a consistent basis towards the pointy end of the season. But something to look at as the Pac-12 look to re-enter college football. All right, let's not hang around any longer. Let's move on and get to previews for week number four. And we're going to start in the SEC. Before we do launch into a whole host of games, I do want to state that I don't know what I'm going to add too much on the SEC point of view when it comes to previewing games that... We haven't seen these teams before. It becomes really difficult because I'm just going to state this, a lot of the same shit that I said in the SEC preview. So um, I, I just find that the previewing games that they haven't actually played is a bit of a waste of time, if I'm honest. But anyway. It, it's not an easy task that you and I have ahead of us here. I think that the SEC really have done a good job of making sure that none of their big teams have too many tough matchups early on either. Like they're... they're they don't have that out-of-conference game, but they've made sure that the heavy hitters are being looked after and uh, should have a fairly good run at things in the first round this week. All right, you say that, but let's start at uh, probably maybe the toughest game, I suppose, for one of the, the higher-end ones is that's Florida. Uh, they are you know, ranked in the top 10 in the polls at the moment, they head to Ole Miss, the 14 and a half point favorites, which I think is a big, big margin there. Uh, but I'm looking forward to a revitalized offense at Ole Miss. I, I don't think there's a lot of tantalizing storylines around this particular game, mo- mostly because I've said it. I, I've said it before, and I've said my piece on Florida. I think they're good across the board. They've got talent in Trevon Grimes and Kadarius Tony at the wide receiver position. Are they that good? Maybe, maybe not. Kyle Pitts, is he that good? Maybe, I don't know. Um, Kyle Trask at quarterback. They've lost a few pieces along the defense. Uh, 
I just I'm not that excited about this Florida team. I know they're highly highly ranked, but to be considered in the top echelon of college football and the SEC, they need to control this one from start to finish. I don't know that that happens. I think Jerrion Ely gets out of the blocks really, really well and makes the leap into college football stardom for Ole Miss. Uh, And I'm going to pick them for the upset here. I think Lane Kiffin will get them going offensively. Uh, Florida, despite them being the more talented team, the better team, first week on the road, I'm going to take the Rebels straight out the blocks. Wow. You are bringing it. Hard and early in this week's episode, my friend. That is, yep. uh, that's a bit out there because I think that Ole Miss are certainly going to have a bit of a settling in period with the new head coach coming in this year, and to come up against a very, very settled, very strong Florida outfit. Yes, they're at home, but they're not going to have that tailgate atmosphere happening there. They're not going to have a full stand happening. I think they're up against it, and I don't think 14 and a half is enough points in this one. I mean, Florida are going to be a very good football team this year. It will be them and Georgia who will be competing for the East uh, for a shot in the SEC Championship, and on that, a shot at the playoffs. I think they very much could make that happen, make that into reality. This is a very talented team. Kyle Trask is... Probably not my favorite quarterback, but a lot of people who know football a hell of a lot better than I do are really big on him and see him as potentially that fourth quarterback behind the top three consensus guys in Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields and Trey Lance from a pro prospect, which I find to be quite interesting. So for him to come in after a, a fairly, fairly decent year last year as a Big body, what was he, 6'5", 240 with a cannon arm uh, under Dan Mullen. I think it's a great spot for him to open up. Ole Miss are in a bit of strife in this one, and, and I'm fully expecting Florida to walk away with a comfortable victory. Okay. I think it'll be anything uh, but comfortable for Florida. Uh, I, I do think Dan Mullen is a pretty good coach. Again, I've said that. He is a pretty good coach, but you know this Florida offensive line had some question marks last year and I think they remain uh, the Ole Miss defense isn't anything to write home about necessarily but uh, you know I just 14 and a half points is a lot of points to a Lane Kiffin team who will be able to play some offense I think uh, and you know hopefully keep the ball on the ground and, and do some good things offensively so anyway should be an interesting one there is a storyline to follow there in Lane Kiffin and his first game for the Rebels Moving along as we head to the plains of Alabama, Kentucky head to John Hare and play Auburn. I think Auburn could be sneaky good this year and they're going to need to be for Gus Malzahn to keep his job and being on a toasty seat as he is, a loss to Kentucky to open the season will not quieten the doubters. What are your thoughts on the Wildcats and their visit to Auburn? If there is a man who's developed uh, a bit of a hardened ass to a warm seat, I think it is Gus Malzahn because it, it, like it feels like he's permanently been on a warm seat, even when he like after winning a national championship because he didn't double it up the next year. They're talking about mm, maybe maybe this isn't the guy, which is just madness. But that's that state and that's that's football there. So it's um, 
this Alabama team, I, I like how you put that. They could be sneaky good because it very much feels like that, doesn't it? They, they are a team that uh, certainly have a lot of talent. Uh, as, as we've kind of mentioned with a lot of the other games that we have this year, we, we really don't know what this impact's going to have, what this shortened uh, off-season is going to look like, how programs are going to react to that. And these, uh, this team is definitely one that's in that mould that could certainly benefit from it and come out looking really strong in the SEC, which is a really good spot to be. Or also wouldn't shock me if they go ahead, drop this game, and then have a really disappointing year, and this turns out to be the end of Gus Malzahn. I mean, Kentucky's a good football team. They are... Uh, very good at what they do. They like to run the football. They play excellent special teams, and they have a very good defense. So they're certainly not going to be an easy out for anyone this year. I think Auburn are rightfully favorites in this matchup, but would not be shocked to see Kentucky take it right up to them. Yeah, I think you know Terry Wilson comes back after his injury last year for Kentucky, and, and he slots in behind a really experienced and good O-line, and I think that's a really, really critical thing to have in, in the first part of the season. So that's useful for Kentucky and their ability to run the ball. So they're going to take the air out of the ball a little bit. And, you know, that clock's going to keep moving as they do try and run the ball. But I think that's probably the only matchup in the game where I feel like Kentucky has any sort of advantage. Uh, that Tiger D-line has lost a few of their interior guys. Marlon Davidson's gone, obviously, to the NFL. And, you know, they lose a bit of that presence on the interior. But... They're still going to be solid, but to me, it has to be. Come on, Joe Nix. It is your time to shine uh, in a big spot here. Play up in a big spot. The hype is around you. I've heard these storylines over the offseason. Oh, you know, he's he's a new guy. He's, he's mentally in a better place, and he's grown up over the offseason. Well, let's see if that's the case, Joe, and let's see if you can, you can get back that bloody Bo nickname. Um, you've got a new and experienced and successful offensive coordinator in Chad Morris. So come on, mate. Bring, let's bring it this weekend rather than flopping around in a you know 17-21 game or something like that. Um, so I'm taking Auburn, but not with any great confidence until I see more out of Joe Nix. Joe Nix. Joe, Joe Nix is going to stick until, until he can earn that bow name back. Um, you know, he had a, he had an okay outing against Oregon early last year and, and set some records for Auburn, don't get me wrong, but that's not in, exactly a, an illustrious list of, you know, passes there at the Auburn Tigers. So, you know, come on, let's, let's bring a little... That's as a true freshman last year. Yeah, I need more out of you, dude. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I need more out of you. <laughs> Nothing like setting the bar. Yeah. Oh, that's what I want. That's what I want. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, this, to me, this last game in the SEC that we'll give a little bit of airtime to is the most intriguing matchup, I think. And that's Mississippi State at number six LSU. Uh, I, the only, well, the reasons that this is the most interesting, we, we get to see LSU after their all time best season in the world ever. And, you know, they've lost at least 70,000 players or something and they all are NFL first round draft picks and all starters for their NFL teams now, apparently. So now that they're all gone, what does LSU look like? Number six ranked team in the country, do they deserve that higher ranking and, and are they going to live up to that billing? On the other side, you've got Mississippi State with Mark, Mike Leach at the helm. Uh 
Don't get me wrong, LSU are talented, Mississippi State not so much, but the SEC hasn't seen the air raid quite like this. No, I mean, KJ Costello stepping in to run this one is certainly going to be a highlight for me. This is definitely a game I'm going to tune into and I'm really looking forward to. But I'm not expecting fireworks week one. I'm thinking that this is going to take some time to come together. And that is something that they haven't had. Coming up against an LSU team that, yes, we both said they're not what they were last year. But they are far from a bad team. Like this team still has been recruiting at a very high level. They have that program in a really good spot. And they're going to be much better than Mississippi State here. So they will really struggle to try and get this one going through the air. There's not a lot of returning players on that offensive side of the ball. It, it is a bit... They've got more on the defensive side, and I worry what's going to happen on that defensive side. Like That's the strength, and it ain't going to be a strength for them. They're going to concede points. That's just what happens when Mike Leach rolls into town. But <laughs> LSU, whilst we are both very much more down on them than they were last year... That's because if they were to go up there, they'd be knocking off the New York Jets. So they, they kind of have to regress somewhat from that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think LSU do this one in a canter, uh, but I am looking forward to see how things go for Mike Leach in the first uh, game in the SEC. Yeah, I just think that you know LSU have lost their best player in Joe Brady. I think that just losing him is such a massive, massive out. And we're back to Steve Esminger, which is great, but he was also the guy that nearly got Ed Auger on fired in the first place. So, um, you know, we've come full circle here, and I expect LSU to regress to a, under normal circumstances, like 9-3, and 10-2 team. The Joe Burrow disrespect there is real. Yeah, oh, mate, I just... That's where I'm at. Joe Brady was it. Anyway, other games in the SEC. Georgia head to Arkansas. I don't think this will be a game, but the interesting part here is that Dwan Mathis may be set to start ahead of JT Daniels. Now, they already lost Jamie Newman to an opt-out. It it has been reported that this redshirt freshman from Michigan who's recently recovered from brain surgery was doing great things at camp and possibly even went ahead of both of those guys before the opt-out happened. So although it hasn't been announced, it's between Dwan Mathis and JT Daniels, but you know there's plenty of noise here or plenty of smoke. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, don't be surprised to see JT Daniels sitting on the bench. I would be surprised. I would be shocked. JT Daniels is going to light things up this year. And this is all a bit of a smokescreen. That's exactly what it is. Where there's smoke, there is a smokescreen that's been thrown out by Georgia to kind of throw things off a little bit and and deflect things away. Why is is Kirby Smart throwing smokescreens at Arkansas? Why is that happening? Because there's not enough happening in the world at the moment really need to keep thing people on their toes things happening out there things are a little bit too easy to and predictable in, in this season so they've gone out there and thought let's uh really throw the cat amongst the pigeons here and get the dude who just had brain surgery and say that he's going to start it's a great news story as well like, <laughs> okay maybe We've he also takes got- the first snap Oh, what hands it off and runs off uh hey he still started so there we go that'd be a win for me um okay other games alabama at missouri texas a&m host vandy and tennessee go to south carolina anything on those three games will 
Yeah, the fact that we don't touch on the Alabama-Missouri game is probably uh, a real indictment of how good we think Alabama are going to be. Missouri are a good football program. and they're Ooh, probably some- they're going to be rough offensively this year. Potentially, but over their journey in the SEC, they've been quite good. They've won the East a couple of times. I think they get a lot more disrespect than they deserve. Uh, I think they're certainly going to be up against it going head-to-head with this Alabama team, but they're not one that we should just dismiss like that, in my eyes. I think this is certainly going to be more of a building year for them, but I think you've been a bit harsh with your Missouri dismissal there, my friend. Okay. Fair shout. I, I don't think this is close. And this is going to lead into my bold prediction later in the episode. A&M, you'll want to beat Vandy. I know you've got a kind of little man crush on Vandy, more to do with geography than anything else. But I also know that you're a Kellenmon Texas A&M believer. Um, I'm not. So we'll see how that one goes. Tennessee and South Carolina as well, which we mentioned. It'll be interesting to see if... Um, Jared Guarantano can get the volunteers moving in the right direction after their hot, hot finish to season 2019. It is bloody exciting to have the SEC back. Just just like this, these matchups that we haven't had, like the last couple of weeks we've kind of said, yeah, we're, we're lacking a little bit. It's been great to have football back. But then we start talking about this, you know, there's more things we want to watch. I want to see how Texas A&M front up. I, I'm keen to see what happens at Georgia with the quarterback spot. This is, this is brilliant. And then we get to build on it again with the Big Ten. Awesome. I've kind of liked having less games, if I'm honest. Made it like, easier to review, certainly. <laughs> like, it means I could like finish up my watching at like midday and actually go and do shit. So, I mean, that'll probably nah. still continue, to be fair, because the Pac-12 is not there. But anyway, let's move across to the ACC. Uh, we will start with number 24, Louisville, head to number 21, Pitt. The Panthers are two-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. It appears to be strength on strength out of the gate. Uh, Pitt's defense versus a Louisville offense who did some pretty good things last week. Uh, likewise, Pitt's defense up front, extremely disciplined, um, gap sound and tackle and rally to the ball very effectively. Um, but because we live in an offensive world now, I'm going to take Louisville in this one, um, despite the fact that Pitt's defense may be the best in the ACC, except for probably Clemson. Uh, but it's their offense that let them down. And last week, it took a long, long time to get anything remotely going on the scoreboard. And even though it happened on the scoreboard, there was very little rhythm in terms of play calling, connection, uh, and any kind of syncrasy between the skill position players. Uh, they do want to run the ball a little bit more um, with DJ Turner, Jordan Addison on the outside, Vincent Davis at running back. They just don't, with those three, like I know they can do some stuff, but those three guys are not the skill position talent you want. I think if Louisville put up four touchdowns, it's over. Yeah, I'm not sure that they'll be able to, though. I think this pit team is very, very good on that defensive side of the ball. I think the fact that they're going to be playing at home for this one and Louisville are coming off of uh, an energy-draining game day matchup with Miami is certainly going to play into the Panthers' hands. I really like what Pitt are doing so far this year. They've been one of my surprise teams. I've been impressed with both of their outings so far, and I think they continue to roll with this one. Kenny Pickett's playing within himself, knows what he needs to do. Like, his role... uh, People, not people... Score points. That's what he needs to do, and he struggled to do that. 
but he's manager. He's a game manager, and and people knock people for doing that. But you can be very successful and win a lot of games playing that brand of football. And I think Pitt are going to be able to do that with the defense that they've got. Louisville are not going to be able to run the ball against this Pitt Panther team. And when you can't do that, you're relying on Mikael Cunningham to cut you up through the air. And I don't think he's that guy. So yeah, I mean, it, and it's not Mikael Cunningham anymore. By the way, that is something that we should have mentioned. He has flipped his name back to Malik Cunningham. He was Malik, then Mikael, and then he's rolled back to Malik Cunningham. So he's Malik Cunningham again at the Louisville Cardinals. Yeah, I think you know that uh, they they show a lot of like triple option looks Louisville with that jet motion, uh, two uh, like a H back and a running back as well. You know, they, they show a lot of what effectively becomes spread triple option in lots of ways. They've got option elements. Um, and I think they're going to be too much to handle. You're not going to need to score that much against Pitt. And I think Louisville get enough big plays with um, Tutu Atwell on the outside uh, and, you know, Javian uh, uh, Hawkins is going to be, uh, you know, they're, they're too good. And I just don't think Pitt will be able to keep them down all day. Okay, anyway, other games in the any other games in the ACC: Duke at Virginia, NC State at Virginia Tech, and lastly, we have got College Game Day: Florida State at Miami. Uh, the Canes go in as ten-point favorites. What are your thoughts on this particular game, Will? It just feels like it's a game that Miami are going to lose. <sighs> And and yeah, you know it, like you you know you as a Miami fan, you know it better than anyone. The, oh, so much! It's one that they should win, uh, but it's also a hyped matchup. And as soon as they get this hype matchup, like last week, yeah, it was a little bit. They were still underdogs though, so it was kind of a, a plucky one where that, that, they did really well to get that win, and they looked really good in the end doing it. But this is one where they should continue to roll on, and it just feels like it's a spot. Oh, Florida State lost their, their opener. They were really disappointing. There's no way that they could possibly pull this one out and then fucking watch it happen. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Last year, we look at the Canes and I think they just about lost every game they were favorite in. In fact, they set a record for the biggest uh, favorite loss or something in Canes history. <laughs> um, there was a lot of bad stuff there. They also blew the most fourth quarter leads last year. I don't think that happens this year because all of a sudden they've got possibly the best kicker-punter combo in the country. Um, so their special team's looking far better. But you are right. I think, you know, they Florida State lose to Georgia Tech. They're on a bye. Their coach is in quarantine. Their O-line has been slammed. James Blackman has been heavily criticized as a passer. Um their defense outside of Marvin Wilson is supposed to be good, but you know still couldn't finish off Georgia Tech. The Miami D-line is supposed to be good. Everything is set up for the Canes to win. It's a rivalry game. It's in Miami. But like I said, Miami played these games horribly last year. So it'll be interesting to see how much they have grown. It's going to be a lot closer than people think it is, especially considering the Canes continue to concede yards on the ground in the run game or the pass game it doesn't actually matter they run a lot of these delayed zone blitzes that just fail to get home they run them from the nickel corner position or the safety position on these delay blitzes that just don't last long enough and and this defense is predicated on disruption but it's unsound disruption it's let's get in there create some havoc plays if we blow an assignment and they get 10 yards that's fine we'll roll the dice again next play and if we get them behind the chains great 
we'll just you know we live and die by that ability and then to turn the ball over rather than playing sound hold hold an offense down for long periods of time that's not going to happen they do have Derek king though and i think Derek king um, probably outfires james blackman I, I don't think james blackman is a particularly good quarterback and you know a lot of people have got more faith in Rhett lashley and the variety that he brings both in the running game and passing game so i think miami get home but i think it's going to be closer than people expect yeah, I hope for your sake they do. I have no confidence in them to do that this week, but I, I certainly think it'd be good for you. It'd be good for college football as well if, if we can see them make a bit of a run here. It's a little bit of a danger look-ahead spot because the Canes have got Clemson the week after as well. I don't know if it is, though, because that's a game you can kind of drop. Like, yeah. You, you've got to win this one. You will the next, drop. Yeah, correct. It, it's, that's the one that you're just like, yeah, we'll, we'll take our shot in the conference champ if we need to. We yeah, just got to yeah. win every other game. Yeah. All right. In the Big 12, I've got nothing to state about any of these because the Big 12 is a fucking mess at the moment. But K State at Oklahoma, Iowa State at TCU, West Virginia and Oklahoma State, Kansas at Baylor, Texas at Texas Tech. The only one that may get a little traction is K State and Oklahoma as it's a revenge spot from last year. But K-State were shit house and lost to Arkansas State to open the year. There's no way Oklahoma are dropping that game two years in a row. Apart from that, Iowa State disappointing early last, uh, early week one or week two, whenever the fuck it was, week 1.8, whatever we were doing. Um, and I've got nothing to be too excited for about the Big 12. So here's your chance to defend your shithouse conference will go. Uh, yeah, so what did I miss last week? Obviously, while I was out enjoying myself, the, the whole bunch of you teams in nothing. the Big 12 lost. You missed nothing. Nobody so, played in the Big 12. The only team that played was your mess of a team, Oklahoma State. Who put on a dominant defensive performance from what I'm looking at. Dude, you were down at three-quarter time, seven to three. Yeah, and then only had seven scored on us the whole game. You know when the last time that happened, Oklahoma State? <laughs> I don't think it's ever happened. So, <laughs> a dominant defensive performance. The the it's really I'm hearing they're kind of turning into the SEC a bit with these sorts of defensive performances. Like that that's a lot of the word that's coming around there. So, on a more serious note, I think that Oklahoma State West Virginia matchup will be a good one. Oklahoma State was certainly very disappointing in the first three quarters of their clash first with Tulsa. Quarters, mate. First four quarters. Well, the whole game, but they managed to pull it out, get the job done. Uh, when true freshman quarterback Shane Illinsworth was uh, injected into the starting lineup, he certainly gave them a bit of life and brought that game back towards the Cowboys there. So they're a team that lost their starting quarterback on the first drive of the year. That's going to rattle rattle teams and to have a bloke come in who's a juco transfer looks like he shouldn't be anywhere near a big five uh, power five fbs program roster let alone starting a game there was interesting they got the job done sometimes you need to win dirty and they managed to do that florida state can't really say that on the other hand um but i i think that matchup there is certainly enough intrigue, and it's one that I would recommend our listeners to dial into. Your Oklahoma Kansas State call is a good one, and it's a revenge spot, and also a good one in that I don't think Kansas State can repeat what they did uh, this time last year. 
Oklahoma will be looking to put a hurt on that, that team for that loss there. So that'd be a good one. Iowa State TCU is good because it's a close matchup. Like, I honestly have no idea who's going to win that football team, uh, that football game. And these two teams will be vying to put their best foot forward and really start their season this week on, on the back of the effort that they have here. So someone's really going to struggle out of that one and another team will have an opportunity to kind of make their case for the rest of the year on from that the Baylor Kansas game I will concede to you who cares I'd give that one a miss Baylor would just be happy to be playing yeah uh, yeah I mean mean, I feel like they finally gets his first game yeah they've had three false starts here it's uh they they keep uh yeah failing it all on just wait for that to get cancelled. And I don't think Texas... Texas might put up 200 points on Texas Tech here as well. So, Yeah, I expect Texas to handle them comfortably there. All right, let's jump into the American. Number 22, Army at number 14, Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati, your love child, mate. So what do you think of the Bearcats? They've obviously got a really good defense. Can they do enough to keep down a rushing attack which has gone for nearly 800 yards in two games. This is a fascinating matchup for me because Army are looking like world beaters at the moment. Like they have just smacked the two teams that they've come up against so far this year. And whilst Cincinnati are fairly comfortable favourites in this one, it's going to be a tough out. When that Army team gets rolling, Oklahoma will be the first ones to tell you it can be (laughs) fucking hard to stop. And they have been rolling the first two weeks. They'll be coming in here with this brand of football that they play. They don't really need to rely on getting a whole heap of reps out in uh, the preseason and stuff like that to really iron out the kinks and the relationship between the quarterback and the receivers and, and getting a lot of that stuff in sync. They can keep their focus very narrow and they've been doing that for a number of years they can keep well within themselves on that and still be incredibly effective so this team will be a handful for Cincinnati I'm really hoping that they can show out and show why they're what are they 14th team in the the country at the moment correct yep uh live up to that billing and and look to um push on from that because they will be looking to make some noise in the American and obviously they need to win this game if they want any chance of potentially pushing into a big, uh, uh, was it group of six or New Year's six bowl game? Uh, yeah, and then, I mean, you know, all, all going well, everything getting a little bit crazy for them, potentially even a playoff push. Oh, gee, wow. Okay. Yeah, they're a veteran team, which I think helps in this kind of situation as well. But an interesting stat here is uh, in the last kind of 25 years, Army is 0-20 and 20 against ranked opponents and Cincinnati has lost 15 of the last 16 against ranked opponents. So neither of these two teams have fared particularly well when starting to face the, the top end of college football. So maybe these two guys are kind of like the, the boxing match or that um, kickboxing match where the two guys just kind of kick each other and knock each other out at the same time. And maybe they'll both go to sleep and we'll have like a, a 2 nothing ball game or something. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it should be a good one. I expect Army to be able to move the ball enough, but Cincinnati will be too good offensively 
Um, and I expect them led by Desmond Ritter, who I think is an, re- is an okay quarterback. Uh, he's, he's got the ability to do it with his arms and his legs. will do enough for Cincinnati to get home. All right, let's move on to Fair Dinkum. So, Will, this is having a look at some of the key storylines of college football or some key statements about people or things or teams that are perhaps a little overrated, maybe a little underrated, or are they Fair Dinkum or are they not? So, my first statement to you is, and you need to say, is this Fair Dinkum or is it not? The Big 12 are terrible this year. Fair dinkum or not? No, it's not fair dinkum, mate. And <laughs> I, I, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit when I was going over the Big 12, but you have really been hot on them all year. Uh, yes, they had a super disappointing week one, but that could be expected within the current climate that we're living in. There was always going to be a little bit of carnage coming out of that. I think it's very unfair to say the entire Big 12 is shit. I think the top of the Big 12 is actually looking quite good this year with Texas and Oklahoma. The games that we've seen from them so far were super impressive and and they could be teams that are certainly pushing deep late into the year. It is a little bit concerning that they uh, have struggled with the non-conference matchups that they've had to the length that they have. But to go out and blatantly say that th- these guys are shit is way too far. It's, it's, it's poor form on your part. And uh, I think you should be a little bit ashamed of yourself. Should I? Should I really? Sure. Why not? Any well, uh, rebuttal to my well, fact I mean, I think? I think, firstly, let's just calm down on, on Oklahoma's really good state, uh, really good game against whoever they played first. Um, can't even remember they played like Central Mi- Arkansas or Missouri State Missouri or something State. someone yeah. really really bad Texas beat up on someone who's also really really bad so we don't actually have a great clue as to how good the top end of the Big 12 actually is but what we have seen from the rest of the Big 12 is the Sun Belt kicking your butt so I don't think there's anything so far that that proves that the Big 12 is anything other than what they've been in the past, and that's they can beat up on each other, but when push comes to shove at the end of the year, they are found wanting, and I think you're going to see that a little bit earlier this year than in years past. That's all. Okay. All right, then. Um, I guess my my one that I want to throw at you here uh, around whether they're fed income or not is your Hurricanes. (laughs) Are they going to be different this year than they have for when were the when were the 90s 20 odd years ago for the last 20 20 years good it's the year 2020 so well done they have been the most overhyped team and to be fair to them this year they seem to have gone longer to carry that hype than they have previously normally they've fucked it out by now but (laughs) two games in two games in the hype's still there if anything it's 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 kind of reaching hyperbole so are they legit and do you think this is a team that can continue on this trajectory and finish as a top 10 ranked team uh no i don't i I think that they've got the athletes to do it. i think they've got the players to do it. i think for the first time in a long time they've got the quarterback to do it 
Um, I've been really impressed by Rhett Lashley. There was a lot of, um, you know, criticism of him and that hire. And, oh, he's, he has never really been truly the offensive coordinator with Sonny Dykes at SMU or Gus Malzahn or, at Auburn. He's never truly been the guy to call plays. Um, but he's come out and done a really, really good job uh, early on in particular. Uh, in, in both the running game and the passing game and all of a sudden this O-line that was slammed by Dan Enos and, and the entire media finished a lot like in the 120s in the country has given up zero sacks so far uh, and so so that's been a, a really really positive kind of outcome for the offense I to me it's the defense that brings me some concern now so Blake Baker and that defense which is in the Manny Diaz mold it's how he wants to play his defense but the back end, the cornerback play hasn't been good, nor do they have depth at that position. I think they've only got three cornerbacks that they're playing through those positions and they're looking at bolstering out with safety. So they're a bit light on in the defensive backfield. But the the mentality of that defense, I, I, I don't know. When they get hot and they get sacks and they get turnovers, they look good. But when they don't, they get torched. And every single player who is a freshman. I remember Hendon Hooker last year at Virginia Tech. His first start got made to look like an All-American. Sam Howe last year as a true freshman, early in the piece, early in his career, converted a fourth and 17 on a really bad play call that would have iced the game. And it's just, I don't trust this defense. I didn't used to trust the offense either, but now I just don't trust this defense enough. They're not good enough to beat Clemson. I think they... Are they top 10? Probably not. Mate, top 15 maybe. I know is there that much difference? Possibly not. But I see them dropping one, probably two more. It'll be interesting to see how... I think this Florida State week is going to be a really interesting one in that can they show up? Can they show up to a game they're favorite in and can they win it comfortably? And then can they hold strong and keep Clemson close? If they can do both of those things, I think we're okay. If they struggle in both of those facets, I think it's there's losses coming. Just where and when would be the only question there. Yeah, oh, certainly. I think this week's matchup will learn a lot about this team, whether they have turned that corner and we do have a, a different group uh, and, and we have been able to get Manny Diaz changing some of what's been happening in that program for a long time now so i think that's a as we as we spoke about earlier a massive matchup even though it shouldn't be yeah exactly and and i think like you know in all fairness in a month's time we could not be talking about miami as well like they could just be another run-of-the-mill disappointing year but like I will say, Kirk Herbstreet on the call said last week, he thinks it feels different. I think the only reason for that is Derek King. When a team's got a quarterback, gee, does it make a difference? I know you're used to having quarterbacks at Oklahoma State. Miami hasn't had one for a long, long time. And it feels like we do. And it just, it feels not, it's, I tell you, it feels great. He is a special talent. He All right, is. well, I've got one more for you. The Big Ten. They don't deserve to be in the playoff. They made their call. They don't deserve to come back. I disagree. I don't believe that statement is fair dinkum. I think they should be given the opportunity. There are some caveats to this here. So obviously they're looking to play the eight games and get the conference championship going there. And it all depends on whether they're able to do that or not. If for whatever reason... The, all the other conferences can go ahead, get the full eight, nine, however many games that they're going to play, 
and say the Big Ten, because they've come up short, only get six in, then I think they should be penalised. I think it would only in that case be if one team has gone through undefeated and looked a class above, then would that be the case? But if you had a couple of like-for-like teams there, I would certainly be siding more with the, the one that's had more exposure, played more games and done more from the other three Power Five conferences. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can argue that in any way. And, and we've seen how many postponements we've had. If the Big Ten get through unscathed, that would be the longest of long odds at this point, I think. A minor miracle. A minor miracle. All right. Well done. Very sharp by you on that front. Fair dinkum or not. All right, let's move on to the championship draft. Now, I'm actually really liking this setup this year. So at the start of the year, we had 30 clams to spend. Each team in the AP top 25 is worth a corresponding dollar amount. Um, And we need to try and assemble the most expensive combination of teams, I guess, by the end of the year. Um, so a dollar for a team in 25th, $25 for a team in first position in the AP poll of that particular week, and we can buy and sell one team per week. So I currently am sitting with the Clemson Tigers, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech, um, and I've got a few dollars in the bank. I can't exactly tell you how much. I've got nine clams or something, maybe. $12 in the bank, my friend. $12 in the bank. And you have got I have Cincinnati... Notre Dame and App State. Ouch. After selling Miami last week. So uh, with a quick recap of uh, last week's movers and shakers, you would have been best to have had Miami in your team. They made the most money last week, moving up five spots. That's followed by Pitt, who moved up four, who, for those of you who are listening in with the other team that I was kind of looking at bringing in, uh, or... BYU would have been a good one, jumping up three spots on the back of doing sweet fuck all, which is always nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it wouldn't have been good for you to have the Louisville Cardinals in your side, which you did do. So you it's, sold it uh, a really good, really good spot there. Sold them for eight bucks, made $8 on that trade, uh, and they lost six bucks in value last week. So I need to start coming to you for some stock tips by the looks of things. <laughs> Uh, the other big losers last week were Oklahoma State on the back of their pretty lackluster performance against Tulsa, who dropped down four spots, cost you four bucks, and App State, who dropped out altogether, losing me $3 in the process. So okay. on the back of that, uh, my current value of my stable is at $31. Uh, yours is at 35 Uh we both have a couple of teams worth nothing. You have Georgia Tech, I have App State, so no real okay. value in selling those guys. Um, I've got 14 bucks in the bank, you've got 12. This week it is me who uh, is first up, so my selection here, I'm gonna spend a bit of cash. I, I've never okay. been good at holding onto it, never been much of a saver myself, so. Uh, I've got 14 in the bank, I'm not gonna blow it all, but I do like the look of Virginia Tech's early season run i think they can have a sustained run of success early on they do have a tough matchup with north carolina who you know i'm not very big on i think they win that and that only gives them more juice to make some more money so they're going to cost me six bucks but i'm gonna i'm gonna outlay that and i'm gonna grab virginia tech okay so you've got four teams not selling anybody i will not this week i'm gonna hold on to cincinnati and back them in to beat army 
bit of a dicey okay. one, but I'm going to do that. Notre Dame will continue to roll, and App State can't make me anything. Okay. I am going to sell Tennessee, the Tennessee Volunteers. Interesting. Okay. I like uh, it. How much cash does that give me in the bank? That gives you $22, my friend. It gives me $22. Uh, I just don't trust them against South Carolina. Um, I kind of, they, they went from 25th up to 16. So I'm, I'm happy to sell them there. I, I don't think they're going to sneak much higher this week, even with a win, um, especially as other SEC teams start moving around uh, with wins and losses. And I am going to bring in the Baylor Bears. I think they beat Kansas this week. I think Kentucky lose by enough to drop out. If Louisville lose, they're out. Um, so I'm going to bring in Baylor. Nice one. So I, I see what you're doing here, building yourself a bit of a war chest and trying to get some of those teams up the top. Smart. If you can end up with a Clemson-Alabama combo, you're uh, looking pretty good for that $20 bonus uh, cash prize at the end of the year. So yeah. certainly no knocking that tactic. Uh, I may have good. my eyes on a team that is going to join us in a few weeks, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. Nice one. All right. I like it. Well, that's that's good, mate. We'll continue to track this one. So I've now got a pretty shit-ass group, actually. Clemson. <laughs> Clemson. Yeah. And Georgia Baylor Tech and, and Baylor. Tech. Mm. And I have uh, Notre Dame and yeah. Cincinnati and Virginia Tech and Upstate. Yeah. I, I think, like... It's interesting though because as soon as you pick up a team that's unranked, you might as well just keep them. Like there's no use in trading them out. Correct. Anyway, uh, Georgia Tech could finish. Uh, and my stock portfolio is littered with uh, speculatives that are now worth <laughs> nothing that I couldn't sell if I wanted to. <laughs> All right. Um, so what have I got? I've got. Uh, 25 bucks with Clemson and I've got 22 in the bank. Correct. So 47 bucks all up. Uh, I, I think we're also obviously going to... Yeah, well, it's going to be the value of your, uh, your roster. Your roster. Right, so you're going to okay. want to spend big on that last week before the bowls. Right. Interesting. Interesting. I haven't actually thought about what it's going to look like at the end. Anyway, um Cool. I'm still liking this championship draft. I don't think this is the last time we'll do this. Okay, let's get into some bold predictions. Uh, last week, I had the Big Ten to fail yet again. Uh, Oklahoma State didn't cover and Houston and Baylor got cancelled. So I don't think that really counts, but I wasn't too far off. No, certainly not. I think you were certainly along the right lines. If I'm going to claim the Houston-Baylor... <laughs> one in on the punt as a win then you can probably claim this too i'd, I'd i don't really have much <laughs> that's of a, a real low point on. yeah and, and you know i'm gonna claim it as a win so <laughs> if you want to do a bit of a victory lap here i'm fine with that mate um, okay um my bold prediction for this week actually before we do that your bold prediction from last week was not correct so I Good. had just North, thought, I just wanted to restate yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. Good. North Texas to uh, really take it to SMU, and they did not. They had it taken from them hard. <laughs> yeah, that was that was bad. Okay, my bold prediction for this week is 
I am saying that there is going to be three shutouts by FBS teams in week four. I don't exactly know who they're going to be. I'm pre- I'm hoping one is going to be Alabama, Can- uh, sorry Alabama, Missouri, Baylor, Kansas would be one I'd have my eyes on, but it is the Big Twelve, so Kansas will probably win. Um, and I'm ch- going to try and jag one elsewhere. Not sure where that is, uh, but hopefully I can get three shutouts. Have we had three shutouts this year across the games? Texas shut somebody out. Uh, who else got one early in the year? I don't know. There's just there's not a lot of FCS schools. Navy got shut out by BYU. Yeah, it's a good BYU team coming back around. So, again, so. yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Troy don't score. I mean, Wake Forest and Troy looking alright this year. Wake Forest and uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, that'll probably be a, a shutout, so that's good. <laughs> if you claim it, you, you can have this week. You're not having that one, though. <laughs> that's a real low point. Uh, all right, my bold prediction is welcome to the big time. So I'm saying that the two high-profile head coach hires in the SEC, Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, are in line for smacking those oh. those two games will have a combined victory for the other sides of greater than 50 points. <laughs> what? That's good. So uh, LSU and Florida to win by a combined 50 over the Mississippi teams. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to linger here. We got, we're running out of time. And more importantly, we've got some money to lose. Talk us through it, Will. No money to lose here this week, my friend. The new the new system has come in last <laughs> the new, week. The new new system. The new new system. The whatever iteration we're on in our search for <laughs> profits here. Six point eight point four. Ha, has been applied. Yeah, we're we're higher up than iOS, wherever they're at, we're yeah. we're ahead of that. We've we've done it. <laughs> More changes to this, but you got to keep tweaking it, and eventually I think we'll, we'll land on the right one. I'm feeling really good about this one. So we kick things off with the f- first time of running this new one after losing our entire wad the first week, uh, and we had some success. So part of that was on the back of one of the games getting postponed and us getting a refund, but end of the day, we made a positive four units. So <laughs> 10 outlaid, 14 back, Happy days. We're now only six units back on the year. That's a really good result. I'm quite happy with that. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, that's a really good start. So that, that one there was the prediction of, uh, who was it, to lose? Uh, was it Georgia Tech and was it, who, who did Duke play? BC. BC and Duke. It was my Eagles to get it done where they had no spot doing so. They actually did it quite comfortably in the end. So really happy with that one. And we will uh, look to continue that on. So for those of you who missed out on me actually making money, it's probably good because if you're smart, you'd be betting against me. But Mm -hmm. we've changed things up to say that we're kind of having a bit of a let it ride system here. So 80% of our entire funds are going on one sure thing each week. And then we're going to put uh, a couple of units on uh, a roughie to try and make us a bit of cash as well. 
So the two units this week are going to be on uh, Syracuse to beat Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech's getting a lot of love of being this fantastic football team. I don't think they've, they are. Like I, I still no, think they're, they're one of the worst teams in the ACC. And while Syracuse have been pretty piss poor offensively, there's no argument against that. They have played two of the better sides that they're going to come up against. I believe that they'll be able to turn this around at home in the Carrier Dome and win this one. So you're getting $3.35 for that. We're going to chuck two units on there. I feel really good about that one. Uh, and then my sure bet, so we're putting our remaining 12 units that we have available at the moment on the Virginia Cavaliers to beat Duke. In their opener. Outright. Outright. So $1.45 odds. All they got to do is win. They're at home. I think they do it quite comfortably. They're a much better side. I don't think Duke are very good this year. They've showed that through their, their opening couple of games. Virginia, whilst I'm a little cautious of the fact that this is their opening game and that we don't know how they're going to react so to everything that's been happening, I'm still thinking that they're going to be the much better football side here and I'm taking them to win. Okay, interesting. Have you ever thought about doing, like I know just things that are like backing up my feed on social media is stuff like big like chain multis like 15 leg 20 leg multis five bucks on them they turn into like at least five million dollars see that a lot a, of that see a lot that, of that these days don't you yeah is that a direction you're gonna head next well this one's gonna run so well this this year that i <laughs> don't know why we would why we would want to get away with it but what i am willing to do is with all the excess money that we make because i'm i'm feeling we're gonna have some you know overflow in the coffers if you mm. want to take part of that and, and maybe grab together like a, a 12 15 game multi and, and bring that out for our fans i'm certainly willing to throw a few bucks at that too uh shits and giggles yeah i mean these are pretty obscure bets though it's like um you know whoever it is you just some random quarterback desmond ritter rushes for a touchdown of over 15 yards in the second quarter yep Go nuts, whatever you want, and and we'll make that 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 big time bet. But I think our main money winner is going to be this this year, and we're off to a great start with that. So let's keep it rolling. Righto, that brings us to the end of this particular week four preview show. Thank you as always to joining us. Make sure you do hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or on Facebook at CFB Down Under. Make sure you hit likes and subscribes and leave reviews and ratings and say hi and do all those sorts of things as well. Um, we want to you know, continue to grow here in Australia, so make sure you tell all your friends and family about us. Uh, make sure you have a listen. I know there's probably less listening going on in COVID times, but as bus trips and train trips and stuff start to ramp back up again as you head back into offices make sure you do subscribe listen to the shows get you through that 45 minutes get you through that hour commute uh in the mornings and in your evenings um, and it helps us out as well and growing the show so i also i do have to start what are you doing this weekend by the way will uh, you got no like Busy social life, my friend. I'm, I'm, I'm out Friday night. I've got uh, dinner and drinks. And then I got one of my best mates' 30th uh, Saturday. So, What are you doing Sunday? Are we going to watch some ball together? Because English Jess is out. 
Ooh, um, I like this. So my partner is going to love this too because she's thrilled about what I had just mentioned before. So let's lock that in. <laughs> I think I'm. Yeah, maybe I'll stay home on that one. Um, all right. Well, we might get in touch and we might watch a little bit of ball together over the weekend, which would be nice. Just doesn't happen enough anymore. Anyway, on behalf of that guy over there in the Adelaide Hills, on behalf of myself down here, my name's Aaron. That is Will, and we will see you next time. Haven't forgotten about you, Drew. SEC football's back, apparently. Yeah.